So you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but you sometimes wonder why. Maybe you wake up some days not feeling like you have any faith at all. Heck, some days you don't even want to belong to Christ. Maybe you're having a spat with your spouse or someone at work, and you'd rather be free to act like a complete pagan. I know how you feel. I totally get it because I've been a follower of Jesus since 1982, and I still have sin patterns that dog me. What are we to do? How can we overcome those sins that seem to tempt us almost every day? Whether it's anger, jealousy, gossiping, sexual immorality, or pride, how can we be more like Jesus? In my personal scripture reading this morning, I was in Romans chapter 6, and I was just struck by the power of it. It's this super practical reminder of how to overcome the daily temptations to slip back into a self-centered way of thinking. God tells us very plainly in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 6 in Romans to stop allowing sin to reign, to stop obeying its lust and passions, and rather we are to present ourselves fully to Him. This is how we, as followers of Jesus, are to live each day. But before telling us how we're supposed to live, He tells us why. And that's where it's so critical to understand. God gives doctrine before he tells us how to live. But don't be intimidated by that word doctrine. It simply means truth or reality. It's God's reality. It's your new reality because God has given you faith to believe. In chapter 6, before telling us how to live, the Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to remind us who we are. That is always the most important aspect of your new life in Christ. It's about who you are now, the new reality of your new self. Listen to the first truth and how it's illustrated in chapter 6, verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? See, Paul is not talking about the act of being baptized with water, either being sprinkled or immersed or whatever the fashion. We have to understand what this word meant back then in the first century in order to grasp this vivid illustration of our new reality. The word baptism, it's got a few meanings. Uh, the first one is if a ship sank in the Sea of Galilee, it would have been baptized into the sea. It was completely immersed, engulfed by the waters, never to be seen again. The word also was used for dyeing cloth. If a piece of cloth was dyed another color, it was baptized that color. Again, its state has been forever changed, never to return to its original color. Lastly, an ancient Greek poet and physician named Nicander helps us to understand how they would have grasped this concept of being baptized. We have an ancient recipe for making pickles from Dr. Nicander. Kind of weird, but we've got it. The vegetable is to be dipped into boiling water and then baptized into a vinegar solution, completely immersed in it so that it's forever changed. See, that's the idea. Thanks to Dr. Nicander's recipe, we know it's about a new reality. You've been immersed or died or pickled in Christ, forever changed. There is nothing that can change what God has done in you by baptizing you in Christ. The act of being baptized with water is simply a physical illustration of this spiritual reality. But if you haven't been baptized in water, you should be. Now, verse 4 says this, 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. So, what part of you was buried with Jesus? It's the part of you that stood condemned before a holy God because you were only self-centered, only self-focused, and thoroughly selfish. But in Christ, because of your new identity and association with Him, you have a whole new life on this side of the grave and on the other side. So let's read on. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Interesting, huh? Set free from sin. And what that means is when you flatline, you will be set free forever from every temptation to sin. Now, I know you sometimes still feel enslaved to sin. It's like you can't resist the temptation to do or say what you know is not from God, but from your old nature. Why is that? You see, in your physical body, the tendencies or the propensity to sin, that's a good SAT word, uh, they're present and fully present. And as long as you live in a physical body, they will always be present. So we must keep this reality in the forefront of our thinking. Your condemned self died with Jesus, and now, as he has a new life, so do you. But you will have to wrestle against your sin tendencies your entire life, as long as you're in your body. But you are not enslaved to him. Your setbacks of sinning can cause consequences, and you know that, sometimes really, really bad consequences. But no sin can ever erase the fact that you have been baptized in Christ and forever united with Him. Nothing can wrench you out of your Father's mighty grasp. Now the word united is another picture word. It means to be born together with, of the same origin, implanted by birth or nature, grown together, or united with. When a first century person would have heard this word, they would have likely pictured like plants growing together, like in a garden. The same kinds of seeds were planted in the ground or buried, and later they erupted into new life growing strong together. So then the next sentence declares, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. The life He lives, He lives to God. Your union with Christ Jesus has changed everything. It changes the way you live this life, and it has changed the way you will live your next life, which will be in the spectacular splendor of the physical presence of the Father and the Lord Jesus and the Spirit in a new earth where only what is good and right and true and beautiful will exist. Man, I look forward to that new earth. Now the scripture goes on to say, So count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There it is, another clear illustration. The word count means to consider or to reckon. That's a good southern term. Or to calculate. It's an accounting term, a, a numbers word. Or to count on or to take into account. To accept it as so. The word deals with absolute reality. 
I'm a big Amazon fan, and if you receive an email from Amazon stating your order has shipped, then it has most definitely shipped. You can count on it. Let's say later you get the shipment and you decide you want to return it. I love this about Amazon. You can return it quickly, easily, sometimes never even putting it in a box. But if you later return it and Mr. Amazon emails you that you've been credited the full amount, it is so. You have been credited that amount. You can go to your credit card app and see the money is there. In the same way, we are to count ourselves alive in Christ. We are His and He is ours. That is how certain your new reality is. You can count it as so. But you have to think about it. When temptation comes, you need to run these pictures of being baptized with Christ, of being united with Christ, of counting yourself alive in Him. You need to run those through your mind so you can ask your Father for strength to resist the temptation and know He will empower you to do so. Consider yourself dead to doing the things that you know your Father doesn't want you to do. Take it as truth. You are a new creation in Christ. He is yours and you are His. Now go. Live in that new reality. Hey, if you have any questions or is there any way I can help you live out your new reality, please go to my website, billsimpson.org, into the contact section and send me an email. I would love to hear from you.